Hello, hello, welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast. This is episode 67. My name is Faye, and I come out to you every month on the first Friday of every month. And all of you watchers and listeners, hello, Crochet Clan, how are you doing? I hope you're well. I hope you've had a really nice June. Um, I just had to re record that because I thought it was still May, but we're about to come into July. How? Like, I don't understand how, but apparently July is upon us. Um, yeah, so hopefully you've had a really cracking June um, uh, for those that celebrate a good midsummer as well. Um, yeah, it's been glorious here. We've had some really good weather, thankfully, a bit of rain as well. And I've done quite a lot in the garden. We're really going for it with the garden at the moment rather than stuff in the house. And I'll hopefully show you some shots because the veggie patch is just full on jungle. I, I reckon this weekend I will get to eat my first garden peas out of the garden, which just makes me so happy. I spoke to my daddy and uh, told him that the peas were good. And he was like, they'll never make it to the pot, will they? <laughs> I was like, nope. Like, as far as I'm concerned, a cooked pea is a wasted pea. Garden peas are to be podded and shoved straight in your mouth, straight off the plant. They are just, they're grazing food. They shouldn't be part of a meal. You just eat them while you're out. You prune them, you eat them, and that's it. I just, oh, they're like my favourite vegetable at this time of year, so... And hopefully some strobs to follow. We've already started getting lettuce out of the veggie beds. And yeah, it feels really good. You know, we've only been here for five months, but already we've got a really productive um, vegetable garden, which, you know, that's what we wanted. That's That was one of the reasons for moving, was to just get back to, like, green fingers and grow our own food. So I'm really happy that that's happening. So if anybody, like... Any of my friends want to know you're not getting any peas. They're just, they're all from me. Matthew's not even getting any. He doesn't get the whole pea thing. Um, but yeah, if you come to my house, you don't get to touch my peas. They are all mine. So what else have I been up to? Um, one of the other things that I've done consciously is um, be taking myself off to a little space. So we've got a local estate. I say local, it's about 20, 25 minutes away called Trentum and it's an old house estate with beautiful gardens, we've got Italian gardens, we've got a lovely walk around the um, the lake and it's a really nice place to go to and so I, I went there um, a couple of weeks back and like it's got toilets and a cafe if I need it and I you can literally almost go through the entire system without touching anything so it felt like quite a safe option like under Covid pandemic times even though I've had um, my two jabs now, I still want to be really careful and not put other people at risk and not put our family at risk. So um, we're not going out and doing loads, but it's nice to get out and do a little bit of something. So I've been going to Trentum, and one of my reasons for doing that is because it allows me to have like a Monday as a design day for crochet designs. Usually I would try and do that on a Friday, and it just never happens because... Well, just life. I'm I'm quite deadline focused, but I will wait until the last minute to do a deadline, which means that on a Friday afternoon I'm always rushing about because I'm trying to finish off all the things that I wanted to do, and therefore designing wasn't happening. So, 
because I've moved that to a Monday, obviously I still get all of my things done, but I also get a design day in and I can sit in there and they've got loads of benches and um, I can just sit there in the shade, keep out of the sun, uh, take a little picnic and sit there uh, with my crochet hook with no electronic devices apart from my phone and just sit and work on designs and oh, it's so pleasant. It's so, so nice to go and do and it feels like I'm properly investing time in me as a designer. So hopefully what that means is you'll see more designs coming out from me on a more frequent basis because I really enjoy designing for crochet in particular. Um, and oh, yeah, hopefully me front-ending it into my week just means I'll be able to bang through designs and get stuff out to you all. Um, I had some really nice feedback today. I've had quite a bit of nice feedback actually on my patterns, on the way that I write them and the fact that they're comprehensive and they make sense. And I was just like, oh, that's that's really lovely to hear that. Um, and it's, it was little things like putting the tick boxes so you knew how far through the pattern you were. That's, that just speaks to my brain, like being able to tick something off is like golden for me I absolutely love it so it was so nice to have that feedback and when you get feedback like that it just spurs you on to do like a little bit more and a little bit more so more designs coming from me and I'll be able to take you through a couple of them um in en route the other really 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 exciting thing that I did was I went to Scotland I went to Scotland and back in one day I left at half nine in the morning and I got back just before midnight and I went to go and document the first ever Murit magazine photo shoot. Um, Alison let me come along to take some photography of it and to do some video on it. Um, it's part of a wider thing that I'm doing and I'll be able to share with you later in the year. I've got, I've got, <laughs> always, I have things up my sleeve. <laughs> I've, there's always scheming going on. And so I like I'm just of the opinion that Murat magazine is such a game changer for us crocheters that it's something that I really wanted to document and show and like really show the process behind it and that's what Alison let me come and do. Now obviously I cannot give away any of the details about what is going to be in the magazine. I was just there to show the photo shoot process and what was happening there and get some shots of Alison as well because so often when you're in the middle of it you don't take all the photos and you don't document it so that was that was what I was there doing so I will pop little bits of footage in and um, I also plan to put it up as um, like a story or a reel on Instagram so if you're listening rather than watching this on video Go and have a look on Instagram because the chances are that by Friday I will have actually popped something up on there. Just showing my journey and showing some snapshots of the photo shoot. And I've already declared this with Alison, so she said I could. I would never I would never step out of line and like do something that she hasn't said that I can do. So she said that I could share this with you and show you some little bits and pieces from the photo shoot. So although I can't share any details with you, I've obviously seen the designs and what I can tell you is for those of you that were in on the Kickstarter campaign, you are not 
going to be disappointed with what you find in Moon at Mag. I was like, and as a designer, I was sat there going, oh, that's nice. Oh, that's clever. And it like, on a personal design basis, really made me want to go, right, it's time for me to kick it up to the next level. It had a really positive impact on me where I was like, no, come on, let's uh, let's design more. Let's push crochet on again because I was seeing other designers that are doing that and I was just really happy to see it, to be honest. I just don't think you're going to be disappointed with what you see in Murit. Um, I was excited before and now I'm even more excited. Like My little hamster cheeks are hurting because I'm smiling so much about what we've got coming down the pipeline in Moora in September. There will be more between um, me and Alison. There will be more. We'll have more um, content for you um, about Moora as um, we get through and issue one is about to be published. So we, we both have other things up another sleeve. Um, but yeah, very exciting. And on a really personal note, oh, it felt so good to get to Scotland. Like... For those of you that maybe love your home countries and you don't live in your home countries, the feeling of going back, even if you're not going back to exactly where you grew up, the feeling for me of like going back home, going back into Scotland is just so good. And I, don't, I didn't even see friends and family, didn't see anyone because I was going up to a different part of Scotland, but just that minute when you cross over the border and there's a big, massive sign that says Scotland and it's got the Saltire flag on it. And I always beat my horn when I get into Scotland. Like, always beep, 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 because, like, I'm home. And just, it felt so nice to be there, to be surrounded by people that sound like me. Um, yeah, yeah, it was lovely. It was really nice. And like Scottish scenery, so I took some GoPro footage in the car, and I might be able to share some of that with you as well. Me driving through Scottish countryside, I took the scenic route to get there, and it was it was just lovely. And then on the way back, I was getting the sun setting, and oh, I just loved it. It really it really topped up my batteries, so I'm feeling like really up and happy, and like I've had my little Scotland top up, which is is just lovely. So. Let's get into the old podcasty. Um, finished objects. I don't, I don't. I don't have any crochet finished objects. I've got two that on face value look like they're finished, but I need to do some more work on them. So I'll show you them under on route. But what I do have is another pair of knitted socks. I think I've said this in the last couple of podcasts, but. Um, I'm knitting a lot of socks at the moment for other people because it's such a mindless task that I don't have to think about it, there's no pattern, I can just go. So they're a really good little in-between project project for me. And also the next big knitting project that I need to do is my dad's jumper and I can't face heavy Icelandic wool in this weather and a big jumper for my dad. So I'm kind of putting it off by knitting all the socks for all the people. That said, my first pair are for my niece Darcy, little Darcy Do. Um, she she works for a logistics company. She's a really hard worker, and um, what it means is she's the this logistics company deal with the transportation of food, 
and the office that she is in is basically like in a big fridge freezer so her feet are always cold and like me she's got bad circulation and um, so she loves hand knitted socks she's a very willing recipient and she wears them like she properly wears them and she enjoys wearing them so I made her a pair from um, Chopelle, their crazy zebra ball. I have had this in my stash for a long old time. I even know where I got it. I bought this in Reykjavik many moons ago. So this is deep, deep stash and I absolutely love it. And originally I think I bought it to do a crocheted shawl with and I never got round to it. Um... And it's one of those, so the, the Crazy Zauber Ball changes colours and it changes through a, like a marl pattern. So marl is basically where you get two different colour strands and they get like that candy stripe effect. That's what a marl is. And when you work it up, it doesn't look as obvious as the candy stripe does look in the ball or in the skein. It kind of beds in a little with crochet and with knitting. And um, probably lesser with crochet because of the stitch size and the, the way that the yarns twist. But certainly in knitting it kind of dulls down a little bit. And the Zauber ball that I had was colour 1699 and it is basically made up of teals. Very light teal going into navy blue and plummy, like proper rich plummy purples. Almost like a regal purple in there as well. So the thing about the Zerber ball is you don't really get a matching pair, which, like, I, I kind of have issues with this. This is one of the reasons that Darcy's getting these socks is because I like uniformity a lot. Uh, Darcy does not care, so she can get my matchy, not matchy um, pair of socks from the Zerber ball. If you've eyed up this yarn um, before, it's 75% um, virgin wool and 25% nylon. If you've looked at it for things before and um, maybe not bought it, it was really nice to work with. It's not like um, some of the merino nylon that you get, which is very standard and doesn't change and doesn't do anything. This one, I suspect, and I, I might be speaking out of turn, but I suspect that the wool is from Peru or Argentina or somewhere because it's, it's what you'll often see referred to as highland wool and basically it's got a load more wooliness and character about it. The stuff that you get, which is kind of merino nylon, sometimes the BFL nylon, is very standard and I know I've just said that I like uniformity but not when it comes to my wool feeling and um, when it's running through my hands this has got slightly thicker thinner bits in it it's just way more interesting and the thing about this kind of wool versus like your standard 80-20 merino nylon is that this will keep you infinitely warmer especially if you're crocheting or knitting socks with it this is much much warmer than merino nylon wool which I personally don't think keeps your feet that warm like um i would i would much rather have something with um this kind of wool in it so if you're on the lookout for really warm socks um to crochet or knit then look for something that has um like highland wool or wool from peru in it because that's what i found to be the warmest this is for a frame of reference what i'm holding up with the cruises herbal 
is not unlike Patton's Croy. So if you've ever tried Patton's Croy, it's a really similar type of yarn because the wool feels really similar and it's warm. Patton's just is so nice and warm and it lasts for a long, long time. And I suspect this will do the same. Um, these come in all sorts of colours and I would happily buy them again for Darcy. Maybe I would, maybe one day I'll get over myself. I just really like looking down at my toes and seeing like an exact match. It just, it, it sings to me, I love it. And oh, I don't know, would I have issues if I looked down and saw these two little toes? Mm, I think I probably would. So off to Darcy do, they are going. She knows they're coming. She was here the other week and um, I was knitting on socks and she literally goes, ooh, they're nice. Who are they for? Like, she knows they're for her, but she's just double checking that she's going to be the recipient. I'll, I would make her all things. I love her. She's a fab human being. So that's finished object number one. Finished object number two, I spoke a few months ago about the fact that I wanted to make um, new hanging arrangements for some plant pots that I'd managed to find for outside on the brick wall. And initially I was going to do like a mashup between crochet and macrame for them. And actually what I did in the end was I just macrame them. So I'll pop a photo, there'll be a photo in the show notes. But I used um, bobbinet three millimetre macrame cord. This stuff is really nice to work with. It also crochets well. I've used it before. And you get um, 100 metres to 200 grams, I think it is. And I'm using the colour charcoal. It's 100% recycled cotton and it's made in Poland. Really good to work with. Seems really sturdy. And it's taking the weight of the hanging baskets really quite nicely. So I'll show you them. And I just literally used a knot to stay on the ring with. And then I also, I just used one macrame knot right the way through and made it up as I was going along. To be honest, that's the beauty of macrame. If it goes wrong, you can just quickly undo your knots and then do something else. And you can just, you don't really need to follow a pattern. You could just do your own thing with it once you've mastered the knots. And that's exactly what I did. And I love the result. Um, I'm particularly pleased with um, the big ring that I'm using to put all of the macrame cord onto. I found in a local, um, we have like an antique centre down the road, which has got like loads of little um, different antique shops in like big warehousing. And I found a pile of copper rings and obviously I'm loving copper right now. But when I asked, because I thought I knew what they were, they're um, old bull rings, nose rings. So they're solid and um, they're absolutely perfect for going outside. And I'm reusing something that isn't really used anymore and they look fabulous. So you'll have seen some photos, I'll pop some in the show notes, but you can, you can see what I've been doing with the hanging baskets. I'm pretty flaming chuffed with them actually. And our neighbours were like, oh! They're fancy. And I just really want to bring as many homemade accents to this house as possible. And um, I look out to, to my little wall and see my hanging plants with the geraniums and everything and think, well, I'll read them. And I'm pretty flaming chuffed with them. So we're moving on to En Route. 
And I have some bits and pieces to show you. And honestly, when I was pulling together all of the bits and pieces to record the podcast, I was like, oh, my colour theming is getting ridiculous. Basically, blue and rust, or like cinnamon brown and teal, or just everything that I want at the moment. That said, I am wearing one of my favourite dresses today, which is black with little bits of red and white on it. And um, so not in my colour theme, but I did buy myself a pair of rust jeans. And at some point, I think I'm just going to do a video of me blending into a brick wall because you wouldn't, you just wouldn't know I was there with all the rust things I'm loving on at the moment. So let me start by showing you the big chunky version that I have crocheted. This is a new design. It's called the Strata Bag. I've spoken about it a few times on the podcast because it's part of the collection that I'm pulling together. And it is in a recycled wool yarn by a company called Inuio. Now, Inuio are based out of North Yorkshire in England. And the gentleman that runs it has got um, lots of experience in recycling wool. Basically, that's what he's been doing for decades. And he's, I think, come back into it, having taken a break from it. And the yarn that I um, have used is called Singing in the Blues and it's the chunky version. I've linked to it in the show notes. And basically it is 97% wool, 3% neps. So neps are like the extra little bit. Sometimes it could be vegetation. It's not in this case. But like I've got a little blot of pink. So it could be another material that's been in there. If you get a tweed yarn... Um, the neps are the bits that are usually the different colours that you see. That's that's what a nep is. So this is 3% neps, 97% wool. And of the total content, 80% of it is recycled wool. I think what happens, wool is like a paper fibre. Basically, the more you process it, the smaller the fibre lengths get. And depending on what you're putting in, that is going to change the content of what you're getting out. So at some point, you do have to introduce virgin wool fibre into the process as you do with paper depending on what you're making because those fibres get shorter and shorter and shorter. I don't know how many times you could recycle wool. It's a general rule of thumb you can recycle paper um, seven times over so it goes from being like white virgin paper down to like egg boxes. That's really short fibre where they're kind of mashing it and pressing it rather than being able to align the fibres. Don't know what the difference is with wool. I guess it depends on what the staple length is that you start with in the wool, because obviously some are much longer. When I work with Icelandic yarn, sometimes like a strand of wool can be 20 centimetres long. That is not the case for most wools. So I guess what you start with depends how many times you can recycle it. But I love the fact that this is recycled wool. The bag itself is meant to be huge, like it will fit happily a laptop in it. And what I was trying to go for is that, you know, that look of the leather bags where you, it gets seamed down the side seams and you've got a very definite seaming. Um, and that's what I managed to recreate. I was so chuffed when what I had in my head actually came out because I had made little, like, paper origami um bits to try and work out whether the structure would work and whether the way that I wanted to do the bag would actually work and it did and I was just like over the moon with it to be honest 
So the bag is very simple, it's just in the one colour and it has um, this almost like ribbed effect on it. It's just real plain and it's a two row repeat. So that's it in the chunky and it's a bit of a whopper and I have got some big leather handles that I'm going to put on this and really make virtue of the fact that it's oversized and make everything on it oversized and really push the fact that it's a big chunky bag. And then because I wanted to test whether the stitch to row ratio worked if you came down a hook size and yarn size, I've also done it in an Adam weight bag, which makes more of a handbag size. Still fit a small laptop in it. Um, but interestingly, it's got a bit more structure. It's more likely to stand up on its own. And this is in that rusty coloured wool, which is called Rust Tan. And it is by Woolly Knits. And it comes in a 400 gram cone. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to test it on this was also... Um, to show it in a cheaper version of the wool. So I'm not going to lie, the big chunky Inuyo one took up quite a few balls of wool and they are £6 per 50 grams. So this is not a massively affordable bag and I wanted to show another option. Whereas the Woolly Knits cone of Aran yarn is £20 for 400 grams and I think I used just under 300 grams. So for under £20, we have the major basis of a crocheted bag. And it works. And I love it. Um, and again, the, the idea of having the side seams like a leather loop bag worked in the smaller size as well. And all I need to do is add in um, the liner and the uh, bag straps. And I know... Some of you will be sat there going, but what are you going to get your bag straps for? Because they are not easy to come by. Good bag straps are difficult to find. And I think I've just found, I'm looking at them now. I have a massive pile of bag straps over there. And I think I've just found a really good new supplier. At some point, when I've got all of these bags together and all four of the designs done, I will share with you who that supplier is that I have found. And I will share with you a load of different options on um, different bag straps to make. Because you can do them out of rope, you can do them out of macrame, you can crochet your own bag strap, you can reuse old leather belts. There's so much that you can do, you don't have to go out and buy new. For what I'm doing for these bag designs, I'm going to show you them with new ones on. But I will refer to the blog post and where you can get other ideas from. So... These two are kind of these these are kind of in between a finished object and an en route. The crochet part of them is finished, but they are not finished objects. And um, yeah, I will be cracking on with all of the other bags. I'm not going to make two versions of the other three bags. I just really wanted to check it with this size to make sure that the sizing down would work and that basically that I could prove that you could make a crocheted bag out of British wool for under £20. Which I've done. But I need to crack on and finish them. That might be this weekend's job. But I mean like I know I know I'm very much about like denim blues and rusts at the moment, but what is not to love about that combination? They're very wearable and I just I love it. I think Rust might have taken over Mustard for me. I think rust is my new mustard. 
Like, be warned, this is going to be for years now. Like, it's all about Ross Jarn. Oh, the other thing I meant to mention is that I know people hate swatching, but the swatch that I did for the bag is actually going to become one of the inside pockets. I thought that would be helpful because then you can just reuse your swatch rather than putting it in a drawer or fogging it back or not swatching. It has an actual purpose. So that is part of the setup of the bags is that your swatch is actually useful. So I have one more en route for you. But before I do that, apologies if you can hear our neighbour. Drew is um, putting down some new cobbles and I thought he'd be off at work this week and he's not. So, if you can hear a bit of banging, it's not Matthew locked in a cupboard. It is actually Drew putting down some new cobbles in their garden. I don't feel like I can go, go out to him and say, oh, do you mind, I'm recording a podcast. Could you please stop banging? Nah. I'm hopefully you're just not hearing it or if you do, it's so subtle, it's not a big deal. So, my second en route, which I am now genuinely excited about, is my Clean Lines Shawl by Anna Nikopinovitz. I finally got my head around mosaic crochet. I found a system that works for me for marking it off in the chart, so that I just basically break it into bite-sized chunks, and in one colour, I mark every time I have come down to do a treble crochet and then the next two rows up I mark every time that I've done a two chain to make a space basically and I don't know how long it took me to get that technique sorted in my head but as soon as that happened and I was doing it in bite-sized chunks it just made it all click because I was able to zoom through rows so instead of it taking like an hour for two rows I can now do six rows in an hour which massively speeds it up so over the last um month i've managed to, to put two big sessions into this shawl i am using a dark charcoal gray yarn as my main color and this really full-on bright somebody very kindly put it in youtube chartreuse i thought chartreuse was a bit more green apparently not so this yellowy acidic uh, color that i'm using is chartreuse um, and that against the grey is giving really good colour contrast. So let me, I'll pop photos up in the show notes, but it's now at a point where you can actually read and see the mosaic crochet, and I love it. Like, as a technique, it is not fast, but the effect is amazing. I I, like I'm a convert <laughs> now that I've got my little way of working out where I am with the um within the chart I'm loving mosaic crochet <sighs> the pattern is just very satisfying it's like a series of squares and steps that help to create um kind of angular diamonds um, between the two colours and yeah, I'm so chuffed with it. I've got I think about four, f five more rows in this chart and then I'm on to another solid section which I will just be able to whiz through and then I've got two more charts which are not as deep as this one. This chart is about, by the time I finish it'll be about 40 centimetres worth of charting so it was quite full on. It was a big piece to do 
but I mean worth it that mosaic is just beautiful and his pattern is an absolute cracker I love the effect like I say if you're looking to push yourself this year give mosaic crochet a whirl because it's not easy I still have to do this in a very chilled out environment um, last night I was watching Great British Sewing Bee I've, they've, for those of you in the UK, they've put all of the seasons back up on iPlayer. They've never done that before, to my knowledge. And you can now go back from Series 1 right the way through to Series 7 and watch them all from the beginning. So I've been doing that, going through learning sewing terminology, learning um, techniques while I was doing this. And oh, now that I can see this on the camera, I love it even more. Like sometimes you need to step away or see something from a different angle to really appreciate what you've got in front of you. I make no promises that this will be done by the time I meet you again. That said, it's podcast, podcast break month, so there will be no podcast in August, which means that come September I might have a shawl. Hmm. I'm not signing up to anything. If I've got a shawl, great. If I haven't, it will be further forward. So that is it for en route, I think. Yeah, it is. This makes me laugh. I had literally written in the show notes, it says, no yarn has come into this house. The problem is, when I was in my regular Tuesday morning meeting this morning, the door went and <laughs> some yarn appeared. <laughs> So I'm going to have to change the show notes and I'm going to have to show you the yarn has crossed the threshold. I tried really hard not to buy this, I promise. But when the John Auburn Mill Open weekend was, I waited about 10 days until after waiting uh, for it to sell out and then I still managed to get some. Um, so I got some of the special Mill Open weekend yarns. Um, <laughs> guess what colour it is? It's rust. And guess what colour I'm going to paint it with? Blue. <laughs> At the Mill Open weekend last year, I got to design my own yarn colour. And it is a denim blue, which is called Another Friday Night. And I haven't yet used it because what I actually want to make with it is a colour work knitted yoke sweater. But I didn't have another colour to pair this off with. And then in this mill open weekend they brought out this orangey rusty colour and it's it does have like little pops of like a tan fawny brown a little bit of yellow in there so it's it's an interesting colour and so I got just one skein of that just the one one little skein of that because that will be enough to do my yoked sweater with jumper um, yeah, it's it's all about blue and rust. Everything is about blue and rust. So the um, this new colourway, which I think they've still got some of on the website, is called Comanche, but it is a limited edition. Now the um, the actual yarn base is their Yarnadelic, which is delightful to work with. It crochets up beautifully, and it is one hundred percent Falklands Corydale. And it's a sport weight heavy four ply, which is 330 metres per 100 grams. Really enjoy working with this um, with this wool. It's 
not quite as soft as merino, but it's a bit more structured and harder wearing than merino. I have already knitted a jumper in their yarnadelic colourway called Badida, and it's lovely and warm without being too heavy. So I want another, I want another jumper for this in my life, and and so I will. Ruffs and blue. But I didn't stop there. Um, somebody had made the suggestion to them. If you know their, um, the John Arbin Knit by Numbers range, it takes one colour and they add percentages of natural coloured merino to it. So it can go through a darker colour right the way down through to a really pale colour in, in a shade. And somebody said, well, couldn't you do that but mix it with something dark? And so they did, and they did it with their teal yarn. Again, this is an open week special, and so they've gone up with the percentages, but with blending with the dark rather than the light. So it puts the teal right on the earthy end, and it's really dark and moody, but still has like luster given a brightness. Um, so you're going from quite a brightish mid-teal to a darker, almost with a spot of kind of a mallardy green in it. And then into a really deep teal with like, you can see black in there and it's really full on. And the three together are lovely and I wasn't going to get them, but one of my best selling knitting patterns is the loft four ply knitting pattern. And I really like the shawl, but I, what I would love is a big cowl that is deep that I can double over. I love a cowl, I wear them all the time. And I would just love the idea of having this as a cowl, using all three colours, using the stripes of the loft. And um, that's, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a cowl. I don't know when. Like, it was just one of those... I can't remember what was happening. I think I just felt a bit crappy about something. And it was a little pick-me-up. <laughs> and it's worked! Look at it! It's glorious and beautiful and it makes me so happy. And it's teal. So, that's all of the woolly incoming that has been coming. However, I am determined this year to sew some of my own clothes. So I also got some dress patterns in, because I'm really favouring wearing um, summer dresses at the moment. So I just thought I'd quickly share with you the three dress patterns that I'm going to work from, because I scoured the internet for hours. So if you're in, in search of three good-looking basic dress patterns that I think, I might be wrong, but I think were achievable for quite a beginner garment sewer. I'm going to quickly show you what I got. From Closet Core, I got the Charlie number 12 kaftan dress pattern. And it's got four different options on it. And I think one of them has got big pockets, which makes me happy. Um, and it comes mid-length and long-length, which I wanted. I also got Style Arc Emerson Woven Dress, which basically I got this one because I think 
it's very similar to the favourite summer dress, which is what I've got on today, which I've got, it's in a sheer fabric, and I've got loads of sheer fabric upstairs, so I'm hoping that I can use this pattern to recreate the dress that I've got on now. I have had this for years and years and years. I bought it from Plumo, and it's probably uh, 12, 13 years old, um, and I wear it every summer, like a load um but I just I want some more options so I'm thinking that the Emerson woven dress will give me those options so the final pattern that I got is also by Stylark and it's called the Asha dress and I got this partly because the way that I saw the styling she was wearing the dress with a pair of trainers which is totally a look that I wear and I enjoy wearing so I quite often will wear like a mid-length jersey dress with my favourite trainers and I have quite a few pairs of favourite trainers including my favourites which are made in the UK and they're by Norman Walsh love them, they're so comfortable but this is a look that I'm really comfortable with so when I saw this I was like oh, I need to buy you too so this is the year, this is the summer fairly sure I said this last year um, but then house stuff took over my life um, but this is the year that I am actually going to sew some of my own wardrobe I've got loads of fabric upstairs and I want to be using up that fabric and converting it into clothes and in actual fact we've got four days off this week Matthew and I have both got Monday sorry Friday and Monday off and I might just manage to get the sewing machine out this weekend Let's see. Two of those days we have no electricity because the electrician is coming to sort the Wi-Fi and change over all of our light switches and sockets. So that means no sewing, but I could be cutting out patterns. New dresses coming my way. So that's all the stuff that has come in to the house, I think. Yes, that is everything. So, we are going to move on to quick news beats. Um, the next global hookup is on Saturday the 16th of June. It's at 8pm BST. And then the next one is on Sunday the 17th at 9am BST. And unlike the last global hookup, I won't be doing it from a service station, a petrol service station, on my way down the motorway from Scotland. Which is what happened last time on the Saturday night. Um, I didn't want to cancel and sometimes it's not that easy to rearrange it so I just um, stopped at the service station, sat outside and we did the global hookup from there and it was lots of fun. <laughs> I did not have a gin and tonic, I had a Starbucks instead. <laughs> but that's not what we'll have this time around. Um, the next Hive session I'm going to delay until September so that I can get a proper kind of break from the podcast. So the only thing like externally I'll be doing for the podcast is the global hookup and then everything else will get put on hold until the beginning of September. Um, and so therefore no podcast in September. In nope. Come on, Faye. It's August. You can see it. You can do it. So therefore there's no podcast in August and continue this trend that I started last year of having a month off. It just lets me put time into the podcast to do other things. Once again, I have 
things up my sleeve and um, I kind of just want to move things forward again um, and I've got an idea of how I can do that so that's what I'm going to be working on and maybe doing things like transferring some of the show notes over from Podbean onto my website as well which is a massive task but one that I need to do so that's where my time will be and hopefully I'll get some time to go into Mighty Networks and say hello to you all and see what you're all up to because I haven't been able to do that for a while Um, I think that's everything other than to say if I'm out and about whilst I'm on pod holiday pod holiday um, come and see me on stories because if I'm out doing anything that's where I will be I'll be popping it out on Instagram and showing you what I'm up to so I know there are going to be some beach days in there because I'm going down to spend some time with my best friend down on the south coast and uh, so that definitely means the sea has to be a thing so come and join me because I will be at the seaside Um, yeah I just expect to go out for a few more little days out here and there and I will bring you along on stories on Instagram Okay, j'adore and I have a very random one for you today, but at the ripe old age of very near 44, I have finally succumbed and bought a soda stream. (laughs) When I was little, I had a couple of friends that had a soda stream and I just thought they were really posh. I thought it was a massively posh thing to be able to have Coca-Cola and make your own Coca-Cola. Like to have Coke or lemonade was an absolute treat. And we did not have money for a soda stream. And so we never had one. And I always wanted one. And I just thought it was something that had like died to death. And it wasn't still a thing until I looked them up. And I was talking to my friend Beck about them. And they are having a massive like resurgence. And me being me, I went straight out and bought one. And now have worked out that I can make my own diet um, tonic water because we do like a gin in this house, gin and tonic. Um, but I can also make like a ginger ale for Matthew, and I can make elderflower cordial because we have just discovered in the last couple of weeks we have got an elderflower tree that is in full bloom at the moment in our garden. So obviously I can make use of the flowers. Um. I got the soda stream not because I was trying to fulfil a childhood dream but because I drink a lot of soda water during the summer and that's a lot of plastic and I wanted to reduce the amount of plastic that we have in the house. So, And then I fell down the little rabbit hole of how many different cordials can I make, how many syrups can I make, oh I could make this one and I could make that one and um, yeah. So now another part of my kind of weekly routine is going to be making tonic water and uh, soda water and just generally reducing the amount of plastic and waste that we have in the house. Um, So it only took like 36 years to fulfil that childhood idea that I wanted a soda stream. And honestly, I love it. If If you're on the fence about getting a soda stream... Just go and get one. They don't make that massive, big, buzzy noise that they used to make when it was totally full. It's not like that anymore. It feels a lot safer. As a kid, I both admired and was scared of a soda stream because it just used to make the most horrendous noise when it had carbonated enough. They don't. They don't do that anymore. So, or like 
honestly, it's one of the things that has brought me the most joy this month is a soda stream, which is ridiculous. And I've added in the show notes that I have one other childhood dream, and this is one that I desperately want to fulfil as well, and that is at some point to renovate and live in a barn conversion. That one's going to take a bit more money. But, you know, I'll keep on working towards it. From the age of 10, when I've worked in, walked into my first ever barn conversion, I remember thinking, I, what, like, what, this is a thing? You can live in a place like this? This is amazing. And that was it from that day forward. Always wanted a soda stream and a barn conversion. You've got to think big as a child. Ticked one box. Just a barn conversion to go. <laughs> Someday. Someday it will be mine. Right, I am off. Have an amazing summer. Just have the best time. I will see you all on Instagram and in Mighty Networks. I will be back on the 3rd of September, having done all the things out in the garden, having done all the crafting and just generally enjoying my summer and chilling out a little bit as well, hopefully. And I hope you get to do the same. So keep in touch on Instagram and in Mighty Networks. And I will see you on the 3rd of September, if not before. Love to you all. I am waving. Bye-bye. N-O-U-I-I-O. Inuil. I can't remember what it stands for. I was trying to remember it last night. Go with that again.